0: Look, Father, look on his anointed face, and only look on us as found in him. Look not on our misusings of thy grace, our prayer so languid and our faith so dim. For lo, between our sins and their reward, we set the passion of thy Son, our Lord. Amen. Amen. I'm glad that you kept your appointment for your yearly reality check. What do I mean by that? I do need to explain. I hope you're full of tinsel. I hope you're full of good sweet things. <coughs> I hope you're full of singing. All those kind of things. I think they're great. and They certainly have their place. But I have to do something, or I feel compelled to do something this morning, about the account of Christmas, because unfortunately, I think, and a way to try to explain it is, uh, say, our Christmas tree, I don't know about yours, we have one up, we couldn't find one in Florence, you know all the thing if you went around looking, we finally found one near Charleston, and uh, it's, it's not down yet, it's still covered with stuff, and it's not going to come down for another week. Okay, That's just the way it is. But it's full of all glittery, wonderful things, beautiful lights and everything, and it, and it covers up what is now just kind of a droopy tree. And we'll take it down, and it'll be thrown away, and then next year we'll bring another one out if we're there. Lord willing. But the problem is the Christmas account and Jesus coming is often wrapped up. Like it's a Christmas tree. All kinds of lights, bright shining lights, all kinds of tinsel, all kinds of shiny things. <laughs> and we tend to be more attracted to the shiny stuff. And it's a little wonder that maybe Christmas passes, I don't know about you, but maybe Christmas passes and, and you might be saying at this moment in some way, in some, or maybe you feel it in some way, is, is that all there is? I mean, okay. Great, and their lights, and then they come down, and then you're through your presence, and shoot, the world's still going on, and flu is happening, and rain is happening. How many of you feel yourselves hurtling into 2019 and feel just great about it? You need more than tinsel. You need more than lights. You need more than shiny things. Don't so, I do? What I'd like to give you is a, is, is a, a, a reality check, a possibility that we may have overlooked something very important. The way it happened to me over this Christmas is when we heard the Christmas story, the account of Christmas that Luke, the great doctor, gave us, and that's my phone going off. This is perfect. I thought I turned it all off, but I didn't. Yeah, I need something this Christmas. I need help. But Luke's account, he talked about the angels appearing, and you know what it was, all the singing and everything. It appeared to shepherds, which was a little bit strange, but I mean, we know about the shepherds in Christ, don't we? We know. Them. And then the angel said something very strange to them. The angel told them that there was great news of joy that a Savior was born, a Savior, not a therapist. Not a life coach, but a Savior was born in the city, in Bethlehem, in Bethlehem of all places. And the angel said, you need to go see this. But then the angel said something very strange. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but it bothers me. It still bothers me. The angel said, and this will be a sign for you. And what's the sign? Do you remember? Class? (laughs) Class. A baby wrapped in swaddling claws, lying in a manger. This will be a sign for you. It's as if the angels saw these shepherds, and they're almost on the ground with fear anyway. They're, they're trying not to throw up in front of them. <coughs> and they're trying to get their feet, and the angel says, don't be afraid, and then says, look, let me out. We can give you a sign that you, you will really love. You're going to find a baby wrapped in swaddling claws and lying in a manger. Well, so what? I mean, isn't that the Christmas story? I mean, no. You have to understand that back then, shepherds were, at the time of Jesus' birth, they were the lowest on the, the totem pole in terms of society. They once had a very prominent position. Old Testament times, remember God himself deigned to be called the shepherd of his people. The shepherds, they were nomadic. They wandered, didn't they, a lot. Well, by the time we come to Jesus' birth, people now had private property. Not a lot, but they did. People were more settled. Bethlehem was not too far from the city of Jerusalem, the city of David. The palace of David. The palace of Herod loomed in the background of Bethlehem, too. Where the king, who thought he was the rightful king, sat. shepherds by this time, you know, their their flocks would end up grazing over in people's private property and start eating their stuff. (laughs) Shepherds were not looked on well. Do you know at the time of Jesus, rabbis listed five different trades that you could do. There were five different lists from rabbis that talked about trades that you were not to go in if you were a good Jew. And on three of those five lists, shepherds were on the list. So now we have shepherds that really, if they go through a town, they're not all that welcome. And they just heard an announcement that a new king has been born, a king that will be the savior of all who come to him. What do you imagine they thought their chances were of actually seeing this new king, the son of royalty? You know what they would face. They would face soldiers on guard. They wouldn't get anywhere near a royal palace. What a joke. Go see him. Go battle for him. Oh, yeah, right. Sure, we will. Is this just the stuff of legend? See, the reason that I drill down into this is because if all this Christmas stuff really is the stuff of legend, if this is really just kind of fan fiction, Yeah, we thought Jesus was great. Let's make up a story about it. Then what about the rest of the accounts that we have of Jesus? Is that fan fiction too? Much of the world believes it is. Much of the world thinks that the church, much later on to secure their power, wrote in all this stuff about Jesus. Wrote in all these characters. You know, I was in seminary in the 80s. And my seminary New Testament professor told me that Pontius Pilate was actually not real. But he was made up by people in the church who were coming up with a story. They had to have him, Jesus, before somebody to condemn him to death. And they came up with, what a wonderful, cool name, Pontius Pilate. Is your faith built on tinsel and lights and good feelings? You might be thinking that. A lot of people do. A lot of people will charge you and me with thinking that. You guys are deluded. You're nice. You're naive. You're really good. You know what you're good for? Christians are really good. i heard this from a comedian, a Jewish comedian. Bless his heart. He said, he said, I'm not against Christians. Christians are really good when you need to move in somewhere. us a mission. They'll move you in and out. They'll they'll do all kinds of great stuff with you. Well, I mean, he was joking. But there's an element of truth to this, right? We're the naive ones. I want to say to you this morning, we're not the naive ones. And the key to it is what the angel said to the shepherds. This will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. You know what the angel was telling him? That this king, this new royalty, the king of kings and lord of lords, was born in a little house just like they live in. They've done excavations of Bethlehem. They've done excavations of first century houses in Bethlehem. Guess what? There was a holding place for animals there was a stable, but guess what? In those days, it was attached to the house. There was a terrace, a terrace area. Terrace, you know what I mean, like a terrace? It's like a one floor raised up. There was a roof above it. Houses house back then, you only had one room for everything. And then you have an area where the stairs go down and it was an area where you kept straw and everything. you kept animals. You kept them at night and you kept them inside your house. Why? Think about it. Think of weather, think of thieves. They wanted to keep your animals safe. You wanted to lock your animals in at night. They were your they were basically your source of income and how you could live. So you kept your animals near you. What did you do about the feed trough? Well, they often, and they got excavations in, they carved out these scooped out areas in the floor next to the stairs. They carved out a couple of them. They were mangers. And the animals, you know, they stood up, many of the animals stood up at night. If they needed to eat, they could just crack their necks over, (laughs) scooped out the floor, and eat. First century homes in Bethlehem also had a guest room. It was either on one side of the house Yes, or they could have built a little small guest room on top of the roof. Get up there by a ladder. Why am I telling you all it? It's going somewhere. <laughs> the translation in Luke, what Luke was trying to do, and he was a historian and he carefully studied this whole situation. He used a very specific Greek word for the place where Jesus was born. Remember they said there was no room for them in the inn? You and I think of a motel. A little village like Bethlehem, do you really think of that a motel? He <coughs> yeah. used a very specific word. It's a beautiful Greek word. If you know, don't know any other Greek words, this is a great one to know. Cataluma. Isn't that a great word? One. He says there was no room for them in the cataluma. What's cataluma? That's the guest room. The guest room. Luke says that Mary and Joseph came there. By the way, Joseph was of the house and lineage of David. If he had had any difficulty, he had a pregnant wife with him, everybody in the village, this man was in the line of royalty. They would have been obligated. The whole village would have fallen over to receive him. And even if for some reason all of Bethlehem was chock full because of the the registration and the taxation and all you had to be on the rolls of Bethlehem Beth, Beth, Beth was totally full remember we have the account of Elizabeth she lived just a few miles from Bethlehem Mary could easily have gone over to Beth to, to be with Elizabeth and she would have taken care of her. so what do we have Matthew says that Jesus was born in a house it says that the wise men came to the house look it up in Matthew they came to the house where he was and there they offered him gold and, and, and Mark. and and Where did we get this idea that it's some sort of horse stable, separate from the house way out somewhere? I hate to tell you this, but there was a sort of an early Christian novel. This was fan fiction. It was 200 years after Jesus' birth. It was well done in the region. It was written by somebody who didn't know anything about the, the, the region of, of Bethlehem they wrote that the land between Jerusalem and Bethlehem was a desert. If you go to Bethlehem, if you actually go to the spot, you'll see it's not a desert in between Jerusalem and Bethlehem. It's actually a fertile farmland. This writer didn't know that. And so they wrote about Mary and Joseph and how well they, there was this that they were in haste because she was going to it was this it a she was going to have a baby right that night. There was no room for them. Figured it must have been a, a, a place for travelers. They didn't have any rooms. So they went out to a cave. And then they had a base. Okay. <laughs> huh? But the reality is even better this is one case in Christianity where if you look at the actual facts and the actual history of Christianity the reality turns out to be even better than the stuff we come up with it's better because the angel announces to the shepherds who wouldn't find any welcome anywhere this will be a sign for you you're going to find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloth just like you do it and a house just like your house and you can go there and you'll be welcome. You won't be thrown out. You won't be shown the door. And what did the shepherd say? Let's go. You see? The reality is even better. The reality of Christmas is even better. The reality of Christmas is so much better because it deals with your reality and mine. The Lord knows that we don't need more tinsel. We don't need more Five. We don't need more parties. I mean, they're great. They're great in their place. They're great. They're wonderful. Celebration wonderful. Please hear me. I'm not knocking any of that. It's wonderful. But where do we hang? what good is it going to do us when our when we've lost our child? What good is it going to do us when we've lost somebody dear to us, but somebody's so sick or, or so destitute or in such problem or is injured or something's going so terribly wrong? And how many times does that happen around Christmas? All the time. We don't need more of that. What we need is the reality of Christianity. It's an announcement that something actually happened in history. You really want more advice for next year? You think that's, you come here for that? Is that what you're here for? More advice about how to live great lives? Okay. Okay, okay. Rotate your tire. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You in business, you in the business world, know what the is. <laughs> you really want more advice? No. You need a savior. You need a savior. Somebody's got to be pretty big to explain the way things are. And somebody's got to be really big and powerful to lead us through this next year and beyond. You're dealing with a disease? You're dealing with an uncertain future? Here's a Christmas message. And it's backed up by actual history. Oh, by the way, they found a stone at Caesarea Maritima on the sea coast that was used to, to put a to be a stepping stone in a staircase in a theater, ancient theater built by Herod, and it looked out of place. And archaeologists said that stone wasn't here originally. They had they took it out very carefully, flipped it over. Guess what they found on it? It was an inscription. It actually was a sign that was used in Jerusalem in about the year 30-something A.D., and the inscription is this is a memorial to Pontius Pilate, prefect of Judea. How about that? They found that in 1960. Did you know about that? Probably not. Here's a Christmas truth, it's based on real history. Picture the real Mary holding her newborn son close. She's been taking care of him. She's not destitute. She hovers over him. She calls him as he sleeps that first Christmas. This is what Lucy Shaw imagines her family. Quiet he lies, whose vigor hurled the universe. He sleeps, whose eyelids have not closed before. His breath so slight it seems, no breath at all once ruffled the dark deeps to sprout a world, charmed by doves' voices, the whisper of straw he dreams, hearing no music from his other planets that he created. Breath, mouth, ears, eyes, he is hemmed in now, who overflowed all skies all years, older than eternity, now he's new. Now native to earth, just like I am, Nailed to my poor planet. Caught that I might be free. Blind in my womb to know my darkness ended. Brought to this birth for me to be newborn. And for him to see me mended, I must see him torn. Do you hear it? Caught that I might be free. Blind in my womb to know my darkness ended. Nailed to my poor planet. Ours is the message of the manger, yes it is, and also the cross. Jesus Christ came and he's telling you, I gave up my freedoms for you. I adjust to you. I hurled myself into hell to give you heaven. I became sin to make you become in me his blameless treasure. Isaiah can't keep quiet about it. He says, I'm now a robe. In righteousness, I'm now covered, I'm not crowned. crown. I didn't deserve all this, and you don't either. But you did it through him. He came to clothe you in his right relationship to God. He claimed you as his treasure. You're a precious jewel to him. You're his family. Can you hear the announcement of Christmas? The only one true God, the living God of the Bible, himself fully free and unrestricted, unlimited in majesty and power, unhindered by time and space, took the form what? of a slave. He gave up his majesty and power. He broke into time and space, and he nailed himself to us. The great question of Christmas that Christmas will ask of each one of us is not what will you do with your sovereignty? What will you do since you're now your The real question is what will you do with God's relentless, pounding presence? You and I have a personal appointment with the real God right now in the stillness of his moment. He's literally moved heaven and earth to meet you. He actually entered human history in a specific time and place and there publicly stood up for you and claimed you as his own and he was beaten and tortured and executed for doing so. Have you ever in a specific time and place publicly responded to him? I pray that there'll be, of course, a lifetime of such moments for you. But maybe someone here this morning can take that first step. How about let me pray? If this is your prayer, you pray along with me. If this is the first time, or if this one of many times in you, that you offer your life to be put in His hands, Mary and Joseph did, and their lives were full of pain and wonder and sorrow joy. It was all worth it. You think Mary and Joseph think it was worth it? Yes, it was. Well, your life would be full of trouble. He's not your cosmic therapist. He came as your Savior. So here's his prayer. Lord, as I open my heart to welcome you, please take me into your life. I admit that my house is not in really good order. In fact, there's a lot that's scattered and in disarray. Come and set things right, Lord Jesus. You promised that you reward all who truly seek you, so you must be here to me now. I believe. Help my unbelief. Accept me into your life to stay and fill every dark corner with your radiant presence. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.